Hey, this is Chris Broder, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Al Petrari from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and you're with my buddy John over at Iron City Rocks. See you guys soon. Hey, this is Glenn Drover, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Kiko from Megadeth, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks with John. Hey, this is David Ellison, and you are here with Iron City Rocks. episode 497 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Joining us on 497, we have joining us for the first time, Jeff Young, formerly of the band Megadeth, currently in the band Kings of Thrash, with former Megadeth bassist David Ellison. They'll be coming to Jurgles here in Warndale, outside of Pittsburgh, on the 28th of February to do that show which will feature the entire so far so good so what and also killing is my business and business is good the band will also be releasing a cd dvd of a 2022 performance they did which did also feature megadeth former megadeth guitarist chris poland on guitar Uh, for clarity's sake chris poland will not be on this tour in 2023 so do not expect to see him there jurgles that night but you do get jeff young dave Ellison, so you get half of that version of Megadeth that night. And then in a little while, we're going to introduce you to the folks at Black Forge Coffee here in Pittsburgh and talk a little bit about the link between heavy metal and coffee. So without further ado, we're going to play a little bit of that classic, So Far So Good, So What Era Megadeth. Get into that interview with Jeff Young. Bloody well right, my friend. Nice to talk to you all today. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, you and uh, Mr. David Ellison will be coming in to town here on the 28th of February to do the Kings of Thrash. Uh, for those living under a rock, uh, the two of you and band will be performing Killing is My Business and Business is Good. And then the other end of the, as I like to call it, the three-dot trilogy of Megadeth, so far so good, so what? Mm-hmm. Um can you talk a little bit about how you and David kind of came? You know, you've obviously David has a million irons in the fire, business-wise, band-wise. Uh, you've got a lot of different things to keep you busy. How the two of you kind of 
got your stars in alignment at this point to do this project? Well, out of the gate, I want to say you're correct. We're performing both those albums in their entirety. It's a brutal undertaking, to say the least, but there will be additional surprises along the way. Extra songs and such people can look forward to. But to answer your question directly, kind friend, it all, it, David and I had not really kept in touch, but we'd bump into each other at the NAMM show mm -hmm. uh, that happens once a year in Anaheim, the music convention for music merchants. And uh, that, that, I think, was about it. I think there was actually one of the NAMM shows, and I didn't even realize it till we... I think we're about to take the stage maybe an hour or two before the show. Uh, the very first Ronnie Montrose remembered tribute show mm -hmm. uh, that happened at NAM. It's actually the videos on my YouTube. It was uh, bad motor scooter, the classic Montrose jam with uh, myself, David Elson, Jimmy DeGrasso, so you had a yeah. Megadeth trilogy of members there, along with Gilby Clark, Doug Aldridge, Brad Gillis. Am I forgetting anybody? Keith St. John, who sang in Montrose, was fronting. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, who's who? So we that was, and we really didn't even have time to speak that night because those remembered shows are pretty frantic, you know up into the hundreds of folks on stage and off in a given evening. Uh, flash forward a few years, I was contacted by a representative for Nick Menza mm -hmm. that they they were and are now finishing a documentary of his life, which I'm sure is going to be uh, very surprising to Megadeth fans. Because his life was a lot richer than that, and he had a rich heritage. I don't know if people know his father was the horn player for Buddy Rich. And uh, if they want to check out a Buddy Rich tune, Time Check, uh, Nick's dad wrote that tune. And so Nick was actually born in Munich and uh, traveled around the world and learned how to set up Buddy Rich's drums. So you imagine what that kind of osmosis and, yeah. you know, from a young age how that might have informed Nick's playing to some degree. Yeah, Buddy was a beast. Yeah. So, I, yeah, of course, uh, if you if anyone wants some entertainment, check YouTube for some of the videos of him chewing out his pickup bands as he would travel around. You know, they'd get charts in any given city and have to uh, hang with Buddy for a set. And if they couldn't, he was none too happy after and was not shy about letting them know about it. And I know there's some funny uh, tapes on YouTube videos that you can hear of that. But I digress. So I agree, I obviously agreed. Nick was a close friend of mine. We actually were roommates on the room with Megadeth because of the, there was some excesses happening that I didn't really want to be around. So. I opted rooming with Nick, uh, who was the drum tech at the time, and we became great friends uh, since he'd been on my radio show, Music Without Boundaries, and we definitely kept in touch. 
he came down to, I was teaching at Musicians Institute at GIT. And he came down one day and we jammed with all the students, some Megadeth tunes and actually just posted a picture of that day on Kings of Thrash Facebook yesterday. And I think of the day before if folks want to catch that. But so flash forward, the filming is going to take place in Los Angeles where I live. And the night before, David Elson invited a uh, few friends, including me, who were going to be involved in the shoot over the weekend down to the infamous Rainbow Bar and Grill, Sunset Strip. And we actually sat in that very back booth. Like, I think they call it Slash's booth now, but it's the booth from American Satan, the movie. I guess it's my movie recommendation for the day. <laughs> have you seen it? No, I have not. No, but it is now on my oh, watch man. list. Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, we're playing at the Days of the Dead convention this uh, next weekend in Atlanta, and Malcolm McDowell in Clockwork Orange, of course, who was in American Satan, is going to be there. So we're pretty excited about that. Are you going to meet him? along with uh, also I Dream of Genie is going to be there. But we were at this back booth at the Rainbow. It's a it's an infamous booth. And we had a fine dinner, and it was literally as we were playing the tab and, and getting up to leave, I kind of leaned over into David Elson's ear and proceeded to hum a few bars from an original tune that he and I were working on back in, I guess this would be 1989 for what would become Rust in Peace. So he and I actually demoed two songs, like the cassette. I found I think it was a eight track demo that David Elson had in his bedroom over in Silver Lake, and I'd go over there every day or two, and we'd demo up some stuff. And we had two really really cool songs. I had long since lost the tapes. Luckily, I have a bit of a photographic memory, and two of the most catchy riffs stuck with me all these years later. So I whispered in his ear, so to speak, and uh, he goes, oh, man, I totally remember those songs. He goes, we got to get in a room and work that stuff out. But, you know, so that's how this was really born, to create some original songs, which we had two formal days of writing and walked out with four songs that have already been demoed, one of which has already been laid to two-inch analog tape, at least the basic drums and guitar one, and a scratch bass by David. So we were just moseying along our way under the radar because, as you know, David has a few projects and irons in the fire. <laughs> we were just hoping to put out a, a cool EP Right, four songs, and he even wants me to do kind of a solo flight, like a Spanish fly eruption, flight of the bumblebee kind of thing, mm -hmm. which I'm working on uh, in good speed. So that was the original intent, and we didn't really think any farther than that. In the meantime, at the Whiskey A Go Go on the bi weekly, uh, for some time, there's been a jam night entitled The Ultimate Jam. Some folks may have caught some of the videos and news stories on 
sure. some of the music press uh, organized by Chuck Wright of Quiet Riot and Alice Cooper and actually he played Montrose as well. So yeah, Chuck's been in everything. Other I think. folks, yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, and other folks uh, help produce that event. It's free to the public, so that's a cool thing. And what you what you get is again hundreds of people on any given uh, Tuesday night on and off the stage performing. You know, it's a different theme. I'd performed at the Eddie Van Halen tribute. They did a Randy Rhodes. Uh, that stuff's up on my YouTube's and uh, Ladies of the '80s. These kind of themes. I know they did one for Ukraine. And I think it was at that very, I didn't perform at that one, but at that event, one of the groups that got up and performed did a system of a down tune, and a mosh pit broke out, which there's a sign on the whiskey, uh, there's a banister there on the left side that says, no stage diving, or you will be evicted, ejected from the venue, but... I guess mosh pits are okay, and I guess that went over pretty fine with the Ultimate Jam crew because the next theme that came out two weeks later was the Big Four, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, they invited me to, to do a couple few tunes, and since I was working with Dave on these originals, I said, would, would you want me to invite him? And they said, of course. So he actually flew in from Arizona to do that event, and it was packed out. It was a good one. And we did, let's see, In My Darkest Hour, all impromptu and unrehearsed. And I'll give you just a bit more, because that leads to our new frontman, Chaz Leon. Uh, Mary Jane, which my lady at Dinah Shirasaki from the all-female tribute fund, her struck, who's been playing around with great success for a couple decades and change. She sang Mary Jane, did a phenomenal job on that. And uh, we ended with Peace Cells, right? Well, they they have a, a crew that matches, it's kind of like a matchmaking, a band matchmaking service for each theme night and they okay. match you up with fellow musicians so we've got david elston and myself who else is going to play well we were tracking over at uh, mike heller the drummer for david's the lucid project we were tracking over at his house for these demos he was he's a fine producer and engineer and he was helping us lay that stuff down and of course a phenomenal drummer just out with raven opening for metallica right so we got him to play with us. So we had the trio, right? We needed a front man to do this, right? So the lady uh, who helps organize the event kind of match made us with a cat from a Megadeth tribute who happened to be Chaz. And again, David's a little, uh, Dave Mustaine's a difficult character to sing and I've done events before when I've had to actually play Megadeth songs from a different era because they couldn't even play the music, you know, let alone 
try to sing in that style. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a very a specific uh, performer that could pull that off. So to say we were a little bit nervous and no rehearsal, of course, was an understatement. We did get a quick, uh, you know, five, ten minute rehearsal in the hallway upstairs at the whiskey while the band downstairs was blasting so you can't you can't really, you can't really hear, hear too well but we we walk yeah you walk through the changes and you you pray for the best and then they throw you up there right? the results all three songs are on my youtube so we'll let you guys be the judge and it got picked up by the music media online and our management uh well david now my management uh, david's management saw it and they were like you guys got to take this on the road. Yeah, I, I think. And, you know, Megadeth fans have written us over the years, and David does a lot of these uh, signing conventions like the Days of the Dead we'll be doing next weekend. And uh, he's had people specifically requesting, you know, God, it'd be great to hear you guys do some Killing Is My Business, which Megadeth doesn't really perform anything from that album, and rightfully so, because it's brutal to perform musically and vocally mm-hmm. right and it's really fast and and very very technical so he he kind of had the seed in his head uh for some time and when the ultimate jam happened i think that was the catalyst and we had Chaz, who we knew you know he's just got a great presence uh i might mention he also fronts a sound garden tribute which attributes to his vocal sound yeah. i think he one one reviewer of the four uh, uh beta test uh, proof of concept kings of threat states we did back in october uh last year one of the reviews said you know what's so cool about the band is that the front man you know he doesn't come off like an impersonator and it's not comical right or uh keach you know it's legit, and for he sounds a lot thicker. He's got a bit of that Chris Cornell, even when he does Mustaine, which is actually really cool. And we're we're getting a lot of compliments about uh, him fronting this project. And that, if you don't have that, you don't got the goods to do this. What we're doing, and you know, once we did that jam, we were, all right, we could do this. You know, because the fans have wanted to see this, and in the meantime, we've got. Uh, original songs to write and arrange and those don't just come overnight so this was a way for us to get out there and do something right away everyone's been itching the play since the lockdown yeah. and the scandemic so with with uh, Chad, we said let's do this and here we are I know you guys have done shows in the DVD that you're working on that's coming out in March you've got Chris Poland involved but on this tour you're not what as far as you know, a lot of these leads, and I've talked to Kiko and, and a lot of the other guys in Megadeth over the year. This is not an easy undertaking when you have two guitarists. Is Chaz that level of guitarist, or are you basically kind of doing two levels of, of lead guitar per night on the on the nights without Chris? Or how do you kind of divvy up that role? Bingo. Well, who replaced Chris Poland back in the day? Right. Who did all his solos back in the day? On the So Far So Good So What tour. So, I mean, I came in to Megadeth because 
we have the same influence. Is the the reason I got that gig is because we had this similar background of Jeff Beck, Alan Holsworth, John McLaughlin, Mahavishnu. Yeah. You know, Jan Hammer. Who, if you listen to Jeff Beck, you hear Jan Hammer. If you listen to Neil Sean, that's a great solo. Yeah, Sean Hammer. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, I still got that on vinyl, man. So. I did Chris's solos back in the day, and I can do them a lot better now, especially since I've been kind of apprenticing with him now, hanging around and rehearsing with him. Uh, you know, I'm a little younger, and I, I considered it an honor back in the day. That was really the reason I took that gig, was to have the, the challenge and the honor and the pleasure to fill his shoes. Was the time in Megadeth... So, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and how we go about learning the tunes for not just the leads, but the rhythms, and where I didn't hang on to the demo tapes of those originals uh, David and I were crafting back in the day, luckily, and there's just a bit of serendipity and destiny surrounding this whole project that hopefully, you know, people will get to see and learn about as we do more interviews and tell more of the story not just with the band but the people around the band because we feel like we've got just a group of angels around us but back in the day when i got that gig and i don't know what made me think it to do this because imagine there was no youtube or internet exactly. back in 1988 right but I had the idea that if I could uh, go down to Capitol Records and get the two-inch master tapes, mm-hmm. I'd get access to those, which, you know, I guess uh, Elfson, Mustaine, somebody made that happen. I don't even know who cleared the runway for me to do that. But I went down there, and the engineer, you know, I got to, that was the only time I ever got to go in that recording studio at Capitol, the legendary but he pulled up Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good. And I soloed all of, uh, Dave Mustaine did all the rhythms on that. So we soloed all the rhythm guitar. So that means you're not hearing drums, vocals. And right. I put that on a cassette. All Chris Poland solos, soloed. Put that on a cassette. Then I had him do the same thing at full speed. So I had two cassettes I could go back and forth. At regular speed with just Chris's leads or rhythms, and I had a old Morantz cassette player. Uh, fellow musicians remember that cassette player where you could slow it down by increments to half speed, and sounds like you're trudging through quicksand. But if you're diligent enough and stubborn enough, you can get it right. Yeah. And I'd been that's kind of how I taught myself how to play and figure out eruption and Spanish fly and. You know, holes were solos and the trickier stuff of the day, Gary Moore stuff. I would slow it down the half speed Ingve, and that's how you get it, right? So I did that for that and P Cells, which by that time Chris was doing rhythm, so by some miracle I've hung on to those cassettes all these years. And when it came time to learn these albums I was uh, I was armed with the with the ammunition, so that's what I've been doing ever since we decided to do this project. Is 
locked away in the woodshed, uh, honing solos. So to answer your question in a nutshell, Elson calls me the Richie Faulkner of uh, the band because I kind of he kind of does some of Tipton and KK yeah. Downings and yeah I do some of Mustaine solos. Some uh, we work it out. It just it, whatever fits my style more. It doesn't matter who played it. Uh, I'll take it. And certain solos that are more up Chaz's alley, or if it's something he's definitely been doing in his Megadeth tribute, you know, because I want to let him have some shine there. So he takes those solos. And uh, so I'm doing Dave solos, Chris Poland solos, and Jeff Young solos, and Chess is also taking solos. That, I mean, that that's actually, I mean, to find somebody, and that had to be kind of, um, you know, like kind of hitting the lottery to find somebody that could sing in a style that would do the songs justice. You know, obviously you don't want... I don't think anybody would want somebody out there trying to mimic Dave, but then to be able to handle the level of playing and singing at the same time, that's you know, not an easy accomplishment. Um, so it was, uh, I'm sure, a, a key, yeah, key component. Like I said, to it's keeping. pivotal. Yeah. yeah. And if we would have just proceeded as this band with the originals and went in the studio and cut an album of originals, we may have went with a different singer we would have never met Chaz perhaps yeah <clears throat> and you know we wouldn't necessarily be able to go out and play as many Megadeth songs and for sure not as convincingly but it's just again it's the universe you know is life's what happens when you're making other plans yeah right yeah and, it, and this band is a perfect example of that I, I've never said that in an interview but I'll be saying it a lot more because it really sums up what happened. We had a, this whole original concept, and I mean, I hope uh, listeners would appreciate the fact that every moment, and it takes me hours and days to to pour over and get one Chris Poland solo note for note, right? Mm -hmm. We could be spending every bit of that energy on original music and other projects. I'm working in the soundtrack work, and I have a, a project with Dinah and we're about to release a single so you know every minute that we're spending crafting these vintage Megadeth songs uh, to perform them like a fine-tuned engine you know, deep down maybe we'd rather be doing things but we understand that, that it's not all about us and that there's a desire and the fans want this and that reminiscence and that nostalgia and it's fun to play, and it's part of our heritage and our legacy. Yeah. You know, we're the OGs of those albums. And so we're going to do that. And the bonus for us is, let's say we went ahead and did that album of originals and just threw it out there and somehow got a deal with Cleopatra, mm -hmm. you know, because they were in the venue at the Whiskey the night we got signed. It was the old story. They saw that we sold that place out like it hadn't been sold out in a long time and there was not only mosh pits there was stage diving in spite of their sign and there's nothing they could do to stop it and we could have put out the album of originals maybe with a different band name and and whatever and who would have heard it that's yeah do you know how hard it is to break a brand new band even a super group band yeah because i could name some super group bands 
and super group bands that have put albums out and no one knows about them. Like, let's talk about super heavy. It's Mick Jagger, Josh Stone, Dave Stewart from Eurythmics, uh, and another couple famous cats, uh, uh, one of the Marley kids. And I guarantee when I said the name Super Heavy, no one in the listening audience knew who that band was. So, you know, what a waste it would have been maybe to put out these originals after all that work and they fall on deaf ears. So the bonus kind of, the way the universe took care of itself on this is we go out and do this first and then we've kind of built a, a, a little bit of a thing for ourselves and people know who Kings of Thrash are. Yeah. And now we've got a tight band. We're performing together. We go in to cut these originals. They're going to be even tighter and probably a lot different because the two members down the middle of our band are half our age. You know, you got Dave and I on the, uh, uh, on the outside and coming right up the middle, you got Chaz. Uh, these cats are in their 30s and they bring a whole different uh, musical sensibility because they grew up at a different time, yet they still love, you know, the older generation of music uh, as well. So it's all kind of taking care of ourselves and we're just kind of riding the wave. It's kind of like surfing in the music business. You sit on the board for a while and you wait for the 30-foot wave like you're Larry the Hamilton and you see the wave coming and you just start pedaling really fast and you stand up and you just hope you don't lose your balance. <laughs> I think your point to the, to the, you know, kind of going out on the road and playing as a band probably helps, you know, from a fan perspective, we see, I mean, there, there's labels, I'm sure you're probably aware of who I'm talking about, who almost do nothing but spit out super groups, you know, this bass player from this band, this singer from that band. And you really get the sense that these albums are, are written and recorded on Skype. You know, you don't get a real band sense. Mm -hmm. Where you guys go out, you, you you know, obviously you have a history together, um, you know, from 35 years ago touring, you know, and playing music together. But then you go and you do a tour and you get that cohesion, that, you know, kind of ESP that bands get when they play live. You know, I mean, I'm sure you... Your guitar playing probably took a huge, you know, increase as many people do when you play live, just through that experience. Um, you know, so I think it it adds to us, you know, the record buying community, a sense of authenticity to say, okay, this is a band. This isn't four guys who, you know, traded some emails, sent some files around, sent it to a guy to master, spit out an album, and they'll never perform, you know, live. You know, maybe they'll do a video together. That'll be the first time they get together. Um, you know, I think that helps, you know, the consumer to say Kings of Thrash. That's a real thing. I can go see them. They, you know, yeah. kicked ass when we saw them last summer or, you know, they'll be back around. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I think it's still important in this day and age. And, and it's, I think there's some, some bands out there that kind of play on that, you know, super group idea that can kind of, you know, lay an egg and still it sells but even if it's great, it doesn't sell anymore. Um, True so, that. You know, it, it, it's not. I've seen some great. My buddies, my buddies are in some great super groups, putting on some great records, falling on deaf ears. So we feel very blessed, and I think it's really cool that our first DVD, double CD, and then it's coming out on vinyl in the summer. Yeah, is uh, you know live. 
yeah you know, we're kind of we we're doing the kiss thing minus the first three kiss albums <laughs> yeah just cut, and cut to the we're, live. we're just putting it out there yeah cut to the live and it's the dvd came out it's it's very exciting it's beyond what we even knew happened that night because to be honest we and to speak to what you just said was an eloquent point that you know going out and playing live and we did four shows we did san diego arizona uh, vegas there's a real gig and then the whiskey and did a four camera well it was a three camera because one of their cameras wasn't working <laughs> the crack whiskey crew and staff uh and a, a multi-audio recording and we were by the time we got to that show we were dust elson was falling asleep up on the couch 15 minutes before we had to walk uh, the bus was so cold you could hang meat in it we couldn't sleep and just so many things happened on that first four show uh, test run. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a really kooky guitar tech that two nights in a row, one in Vegas, and then the night we're filming, left my guitar strap off my guitar that's the whole second half of the show in Encore, uh, the killing part, you know. So I'm about to start the difficult tapping intro to Last Rites and going to Love to Death which is one of the most brutal songs on the album. I looked down, there's no guitar strap. Handed to me out of tune. and The, the Floyd Rose is clamped down and the fine tuners are tuned down so hard that, you, you know, you can't fine tune it. It's just like all the stuff that happened on that first run, it, it puts you through and it raises your, uh, your metal, so to speak. That's yeah. where you prove your metal and, you know, there's videos all over YouTube, but there's first few shows, but uh, it's nothing like what it's going to sound like now because now we've had kind of time to get away from it and it's like kind of soaked into your muscle memory and then you yeah. come back to it and then you refine it even more, right? Yeah. And uh, so we're playing it even better now. So by the time the whiskey thing comes out, we're going to be like, oh man, that's old news. But then we're going to put out Best of the Midwest after this next tour and then we'll go to japan and do best of the east and we'll have a whole series and we'll start adding originals and we're actually starting to add music from other groups i don't want to give any surprises away but we're not just doing megadeth on this tour oh cool so that fans may be excited to know that yeah. i told you there's going to be some surprises so it's not only going to be those two albums and it won't only be megadeth we'll be doing some other uh music that's been uh, meaningful in our career and our influences and, and stuff that we know the fans will go crazy for. And, so probably you want to stay for the encores. <laughs> good good advice. Saying, yeah, the, stay for the encore. Uh, that'll be awesome. Well, Jeff, I don't want to keep any longer. I, I want to thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it so much. We'll be seeing you in February the 28th. We'll look for the release mm -hmm. of the Kings of Thrash, the debut double live uh, out in the 24th of March, and it'll be a pleasure to see you when you get into town, man. Yeah, they can pre-order it right now at the Cleopatra Records website. I think it's cleorex.com, and uh, just go there and search Kings of Thrash, and it's there.
We'd love everyone to subscribe. If you could subscribe to our YouTube, Kings of Thrash. We just posted up uh, a new tour uh, commercial spot, promo, whatever you want to call it, with some actual uh, killer video from those four dates. I think it's from the Arizona show, as a matter of fact. People want to get a little taste. We're actually performing uh, Love to Death, a little commercial spot that gives all the tour dates of people maybe listening in the not near your neck of the woods and want to catch us. They can catch that spot on our YouTube and it gives all the tour dates and where to get the tickets. And we look forward to seeing everybody on the road. We're going to be thrashing USA. The Cowboys from hell return. Pantera live in concert Friday, July 28th, the pavilion at Star Lake Pantera. For the fans, for the brothers, for Legacy. Their first tour in over 20 years with special guest Lamb of God. On sale now at LiveNation.com. Pantera. Alright again, that's February 28th at the Juggles Rhythm Grill in Warrendale. We'll have Jeff Young, David Ellison, and the Kings of Thrash. And their live album will be out March 24th. So check that out. For all you Megadeth fans, you can go and get a taste of some of those classic albums. We're going to turn our attention now to Ashley and Chad, who own and operate Black Forge Coffee, uh, which is in the Allentown section of Pittsburgh and also in McKee's Rocks. We're going to talk to them a little bit about their metal-inspired coffee shop and business. So without further ado, Chad and Ashley. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have from Black Forge Coffee here in Pittsburgh, we have Ashley and Chad on the line. How are you guys doing today? Doing great today. Yeah, doing awesome. Thank you. Our pleasure to have you on here. I, I had said off air that I caught, you know, obviously you guys have been doing some concerts for a while and and the word coffee always catches my attention because I'm kind of a maybe a, a growing trend in metalheads where I care more about coffee than I do about alcohol. Um, so the idea of having a, a coffee shop and a concert venue in one is sort of a dream come true. Um, yeah. So it got me curious about your site. I took a look at it, saw some of the events. So I just wanted to get it, a, a chance to kind of have you guys introduce yourselves you know, to those in the region, you know, Western Pennsylvania, even into Ohio, West Virginia, who may not be familiar with what it is you guys do there. And so can you walk us through kind of how it started and and what it's grown to? Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Ashley. I am the owner of Black Forge. Um, Before I started Black Forge, I had, uh, I've been a barista for several local coffee companies and also became a lighting designer for all the music venues here in Pittsburgh. Okay. So after so many years of waking up and grinding and doing the show life, uh, I decided to venture off on my own and create my own kind of, uh, signature to myself, which was to be involved in music, serve really great coffee, and like focus on the arts, and um, also helping people like fulfill their dreams. Because like my goal for Black Forge was to be not just a coffee shop with a music venue, but to be an outlet for artists from all over. So we started in 
2015 as a very small 49 capacity DIY music venue coffee shop. Um, we've had a lot of really great shows there that like <clears throat> we've had bands from like Singapore, like Worm Rock play there, uh, Full of Hell, Shy Halud. And uh, we really made a name by like having these like small DIY shows. Mm -hmm. And in 2018, we decided to buy a larger uh, building in McKee's Rock. And this place was supposed to be the music venue, the coffee shop, and the roastery because we really wanted to start roasting coffee too and be more in control of our product. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that took about a year to build out. And then as soon as we opened a couple months later, COVID happened. So this place really didn't get to shine the way I really intended it to because the big part of it was to be this hundred you know, plus capacity music venue. And uh, we couldn't really have shows. So uh, for like two years, we didn't have shows and I decided to take our company on the road and start doing conventions. So what I do full time is I sell coffee at conventions, and one of them is called the Audience and Curiosities Expo, where I make a custom coffee for them and sell all of our merch. We're like a traveling band, essentially. Yeah. And uh, I've been doing that going on my third year now. I just got back from California. And then um, about two years ago, yeah, it was almost two years, yeah. Chad called me when I was uh, out on the road and uh, said he was ready to join the company, which I've always wanted to be a part of it. I've known him for years, and uh, he's changed my life ever since. And now here we are with uh, what Black Forge is, and I couldn't be more proud. Yeah, it's an amazing to, to see, and, and so great to talk to you post-COVID that you're still doing this. You know, that, that you know, yeah. unfortunately, you know, a yeah. lot of businesses that were kind of in their infancy in that period of time you're talking about, you know, 2017, 2018s, didn't survive, you know, and music venues, you know, there are some in the Pittsburgh area I know that specifically went to selling coffee, you know, and things like that to stay afloat. So, you know, you, you were almost a visionary in terms of <laughs> what your, your product offering was even before it was, was needed. Um, yeah. I guess, you know, from a, a from a staffing perspective, you know, you look at this and you say, okay, you see a lot of, you know, maybe independent coffee shops that are only open mornings, early afternoons. Um, and then you think of rock concerts, you think 10, 11 at night. Does that kind of add a challenge in that? Or do you have different people work for different parts of the business in that respect? Or is everybody kind of pitching and roll up their sleeves all day long on show days? I would say that uh, it's definitely uh, a challenge. We're selling a morning product to a nighttime demographic, right? Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's challenges that come with that. Um, we have a killer staff here, uh, okay. and everyone wears multiple hats. Um, I mean, our show manager is actually legitimately right now behind the bar serving coffee, and then we'll be back here later. Um for the show. So everyone wears multiple hats here. Uh, everyone really believes in the cause. Um, the response that we get from our patrons being the bands and the fans, uh, I think really fills our cup. Um, mm. everybody that works here really, um, just, uh, respects 
division. Um, so, yeah, we, we all work really hard where that's concerned. <laughs> when you have um, a situation like this, like I guess maybe from someone who, who you know looks at this business and says, okay, I want to go in for a cup of coffee, sit down with a hot spot and do a little work, um, do we hear black metal on the music while we're there? in the mornings and can we get coffee at night during the show do we get the best of both worlds or how, how do you yeah yeah you do and and also we have a really great um collaboration with a local brewery named abjuration right now so there okay. is also brings here um four shows for those folks mm-hmm. but we leave the car open uh during the shows for sure uh in the morning you're probably more akin to hear some Stoner Doom, or <laughs> a little bit more down-tempo stuff in the morning than black metal. Black metal is more of an afternoon kind of thing, and then we transition into the shows in the evening. I like that. They, they give the, you, know, you think of the, the infinite number of genres of, um, of metal that it's kind of grown into. We used to just kind of had metal and hair metal. That was kind of it, and maybe thrash metal. But, you know, <laughs> sludge, you know, Doom metal, that, Stoner metal, that's all good, good morning metal. And you don't really yeah. think of it that way, you know, and as someone, you know, I don't know about all fans out there, but I've realized over the years that, that the idea of having shows earlier in the day is even appealing. You find me a good band that'll come on at 11 a.m. That's about, you know, I think for me as a coffee drinker, that's kind of the high point, you know, of energy level, um, you know, so that's a that's a cool thing to do. You, you mentioned merchandise sales and T-shirts and things like that. And it's kind of funny, the parallel. um to how much of the metal business really relies on merch sales, you know, and T-shirts. And, and ironically, and I'm sure you see this, the number of bands with their own lines of coffee or, you know, they put their brand name on somebody else's coffee. Um, is is that kind of a, a good thing for you guys in that respect, that, that you're, you're kind of right in that same wheelhouse that the bands are going? It's been great for us, actually. Um we have collaborated with a ton of awesome bands. Um, Anti-Flag, uh, well, um, Code Orange, uh, a lot of locals, mm-hmm. uh, but as well, we're branching out and uh, reaching out to a bunch of other bigger bands now. Uh, Monolord um, was, they've done two runs with us. Um, so it's been great. Uh, we are the roaster for those for a lot of those bands. Uh, and let's talk about just a little bit of, I mean, for those not familiar, and I will count myself in that same group, except for what they showed on Moonshiners last week. Honestly, it was the first time I'd ever seen coffee roasted. Can you talk a little bit about the process and where, I mean, do you guys go from raw beans to ground coffee at your store? Or where, you know, what portion of the processing do you do locally? We source, uh, so... Coffee beans grow all over the equator. We source our beans from a company out of New Jersey called uh, Royal. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very involved in coffee plantation outreach, uh, making sure that the families are being supplied with mm-hmm. uh, the resources and the finances to build their farms and build um, sustainable practices. So we really appreciate the business uh, that we get with them. Um, we get those green beans shipped to us from Royal and 
pull them into the building. We will custom blend and roast. We have a, a small 10-pound roaster, so it's very small batch. Mm. Uh, I believe the industry standard is 125 pounds at a time. Uh, we roast 10 pounds at a time. So we have a lot of control over what we do, uh, paying attention uh, specifically to you know, the details of those particular and the nuances of those particular coffees and where they're grown, uh, the flavor notes that those beans are known for. Uh, we blend, package, uh, grind, ship, uh, the whole nine yards. It's, it's the whole thing. Now, from a, from a novice perspective, I mean, when, when you do a different roast, is it is it a matter of different beans, Arabica versus other varieties, or is it more of a time temperature in the roasting process that really brings out that different flavor? Yes. <laughs> all, all of the above. All the above. Uh, yeah, so the the longer you roast a coffee bean, um, the more you will taste the roasting style. Uh, the less time you roast a coffee bean, the more you'll taste its natural uh, notes um, of, from where it's grown, basically. Certain beans, certain regions are known for certain flavor profiles, and you'll taste those more on lighter roasts. Uh, one thing that you may not know is that the more you roast a coffee bean, the darker you roast that bean, mm. the less caffeine it has. The more caffeine sure. you roast out of the bean. So the darker the roast, the less caffeine. So then you tend towards the cattle decaffeination roast. Um, <laughs> the, does, does the kind of small batch interest in spirits and, and, and beer kind of lend itself to that same kind of curiosity about coffee and people are more interested in that you know small batch crafted sort of thing as opposed to the giant maxwell house can that you know our grandparents bought is that i think i think you're getting a better quality product uh it'll be more fresh when it's coming from next door um have the shelf life and that maxwell house or that folgers is legitimately, you know, on trucks or in a warehouse for mm-hmm. God knows how. Yeah. Generally speaking, most of that coffee is pre-ground, um, and uh, you're going to be drinking stale coffee. And once you get into craft coffee, you'll definitely notice the difference. Just like, say, a, a wine taster or a scotch taster, um, once you learn how to taste, right. then you won't be able to not taste the difference. And you guys, it, correct me if I'm wrong, you offer a, a tour of this process or a chance to see it at the McKeesport? Or McKees Rocks, McKees. I'm sorry. McKees, McKees Rocks. Yep. I've lived here my whole life. I'll get those two towns mixed up until I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, our roaster is legitimately on the dance floor. So if you come in to grab a drink, you're going to see our roasters roasting. Um, okay. Uh, if you would like for us to, you know, talk to you or talk to you about the process we do offer uh couples roasting classes uh coming up in february we'll be offering couples roasting classes for um lupercalia or valentine's day mm-hmm. um so we do have those um events as well is coffee roasting something that could be done it in home like the you know some people get into you know i'm going to make my own beer, for example, or my own wine. Is that something that, that hobbyists can, can do out of their home? Sure. There is uh, certainly an expense to that. Sure. Um, there's a lot of smoke involved. But, yes, uh, 
I mean, you could go onto Amazon right now and type in home coffee roaster and probably find five different options that could be delivered this weekend. Okay. How about the, the tea market? I mean, is it kind of written in the coattails of the coffee business or is it kind of its own entity when it comes to you know, popularity and, and different blends, etc.? Tea, Ash, any thoughts? About tea? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, tea. so we get our tea also from the same uh, provider, Royal, and uh, all most of the ingredients that we get through them are organic, and tea is definitely, there's a whole culture of tea enthusiasts out there. Mm-hmm. It, um, you know, we blend, and we make our own blends, and we have other blends, and it, it, it's a whole new world that I'm still exploring, we have two employees here who are really big tea enthusiasts, and they actually mix our teas and, like, make the flavors and stuff, like, pronounced. But, like, we just started getting more into the tea game, and it's, it's interesting. It's definitely different. Yeah, I, th- I think in that realm you start to get into people that are very interested in wellness and in medicinal purposes yeah. of tea and, and stuff. And, and, you know, I think you get uh, to the point where you almost need a chemist slash herbist you know, herbalist yeah. to, uh, to to know these kinds of things. Um, as far as is, is the metal world, could you give me an idea, like capacity-wise, how big the venue is, and, and maybe touch on a couple of the events you have coming up that people might want to check out? Absolutely. Uh, we're slightly over 100 capacity. Okay. Um, so it's a, it's an intimate venue yeah. to come and uh Right now, and we, and we don't just do concerts. We also have a multitude of other types of events. We just had like a live game show brunch uh, this past Sunday. Um, we have uh, a company called Death Comes Lifting, which if you've never heard of them, I, I highly suggest looking them up. Uh, they are a health and wellness. Uh, fitness for the Misfits ah. is their tech. Uh, they'll do yoga events here. Um, we have just recently endeavored on starting a McKees Rocks community farmer's market here um, on the weekends. Uh, so we're, we're trying to branch out and do a multitude of different community-oriented events focused around, uh, you know, metal and health and uh, just having a good time. Um, sure. We have uh, right now, February 1st, we have Imperial Triumphant coming. Um that show is, is sold out, unfortunately. We work really close with Drusky Entertainment. Uh, they're bringing Casket Lottery. Uh, they're bringing, who else? Let's see, Night Waves Festival. Um, we have a bunch of local death metal bands coming very soon uh, with Leprosy and, let's see, what else? Summoning the Lich, Gorod is coming. Um, tons of just a lot of different shows and we on our website we have an events page and you can scroll down and take a look at that check on um, February 16th not to be missed uh, Bonginator is coming <laughs> they are uh, a cannabis forward death metal band they're incredible um, like so that. yeah just a, a ton of a ton of great bands I, I saw on the calendar it either was in the past or in the future I can't recall you had some karaoke like metal karaoke too that's that's gotta be it's gotta be a fun event it's so great uh i was here this past it was wednesday actually okay this last um yeah it's a it's a really great time awesome well chad actually i want to thank you guys so much uh blackforge.com coffee.com i can check that out sounds like 
the website's maybe not the way to go. The way to go is to get on the, get out there and get in one of your two shops, and we'll look, have links to both locations on our website. I want to thank you guys so much for your time today. Yeah. Thanks, John. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Coheed and Cambria. No world for the waking mind. A very special never-ender performance. Coheed and Cambria. Live in concert. With special guests, Deaf Heaven. Stage AE, April 30th. Get tickets now at AXS.com. For more, visit CoheedandCambria.com. All right, a big thank you to Chad and Ashley of Black Forge Coffee. Again, if you're now in town or in McKee's Rocks, check those guys out. Lots of great concerts and events going on at the Coffee Roasters. Also, again, the 28th of February, Jurgles Rhythm Grill, Jeff Young, David Ellison, and the rest of the Kings of Thrash will be there to do Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good. And so far, so good, so what? So, as I said to him, the bookends of the dot, dot, dot trilogy from Megadeth. Um, excluding peace sells dot 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 but who's buying so you can check that as well you can visit us at ironcityrocks.com all the social medias are forward slash ironcityrocks there is still a short amount of time to visit uh, to vote for the uh, pittsburgh music awards that we do every year the voting ends on february 3rd so if you're listening to this before february 3rd there's still time to get over to ironcityrocks.com and vote for your favorites if not you're gonna have to wait until the end of the year and vote for next year's so uh, you can drop us an email, ironcityrocks at gmail.com, and be sure to be on the lookout. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up in the next couple weeks. I want to thank you so much for listening.